Rob, I went to an escape room the other weekend. No. no. Yeah. Alan, really? Mm-hmm. With about escape 10 room. people. We all okay. knew each other, so that was that was nice. We didn't have to talk to strangers. This isn't like an eyes wide shut type situation. Um, <laughs> I mean, depends. <laughs> <laughs> what were you escaping from exactly? <laughs> uh, we were we were doing a museum heist. Uh, Ooh, and um, it was. It's it's a national chain, so I don't wanna I, I wanna warn I wanna warn the people there could be spoilers. Small spoilers. Okay, so if anyone's going to Chuck E. Cheese in the next month, prepare to be spoiled. Right. Um and what's crazy is that there's all this, you know, sort of point and click adventure game logic you have to use. Oh. Like you see a four digit number and you're like, okay, well it must be for combination lock with four digits in it. That's over there. Or this other one, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so we're in the middle of the, uh, we're in the middle of the adventure and there's a very nice lady who monitors the room and sure. you can ask her for hints. Okay. Hmm. And toward the, is she in, hold on. Is she in character? No, she's a nice lady okay. that Okay, she's just a nice lady. <laughs> she's a nice young lady that um uh, wants to make sure they don't get sued. <laughs> okay. All right. So she's there in the corner, right. giving hints. And if hints and to tell you things like, "No, you don't need to take that apart." <laughs> so toward the end things get really hectic, right? All 10 people running around. And I okay. realize that we are going to need to get air into like this complicated tube system that's built in the wall. But the hole for it is very tiny, very, very tiny and very low to the ground. Okay. Right. And there's only like five minutes left. So I'm, I just yell out, uh, miss, do we need to blow anything? And over the intercom, very delayed, comes a voice. No, you don't need to blow anything. Which I think just goes to show that adventure game logic does not always apply to real life. Type in blow hole. <laughs> a wizard appears. I, so did you escape? Yeah, well, I'm here to tell the tale, so... <laughs> Well, there you go. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob, and this is my friend Alan. Alan, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here tonight. It it it's must be a pleasure to be anywhere after that escape room mystery. Um, well, uh, let's just get right to the point, Alan. This week we've got a crime-rific tale. It's from 1918. From Adventure Magazine, so you know it's exciting. Uh, September 3rd, 1918, exactly. And it's called Skirts and Brats by Louise Rice. Not Skirts and Brats, as I originally thought. <laughs> which would have been a very different story, but as you'll see, might have turned out to be the same. Um, skirts so... and Brats, the <laughs> kilter uh, story. What, what was Skir what's the Skirts and Brats. The Red Kill? Hillshire Farm. Hillshire Farms After Dark. What what's the name of that um that Hooters knockoff with Scottish? Oh, the twisted kilt. Yeah, <laughs> skirts and bras. Skirts and bras. The German version. Yeah, the, right. the twisted kilt. And now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab a drink while we read you this week's tale. It 
It had been arranged beforehand that Smoke Mike... Oh, yeah, Smoke Mike. I subscribe to his vape channel. Does a lot of custom coils. And Larry the Dip... Oh, hold on. <laughs> all right, let, let's work through the possibilities, okay? All right, all right. One, okay, he could be an idiot, and that's just what they called idiots back in 1918. Okay. Two, he chaws full-on <laughs> Dak Shepard Major League dip style. <laughs> Three, uh-huh. biggest freak nasty fan in America, <laughs> likes to get down low and roll it round. <laughs> I'm going with three. They were to watch at a discreet distance for the arrival of Red Jumbo. Peter North? So that if he failed to escape detention and detection, the rest of the gang might be notified of the fact at once. Being inconspicuous criminals, so far unmugged by the police, they waited on the Norfolk Wharf for the docking of the boat from New York. Two units of the lounging, nondescript crowd of men and boys, which that event always attracted. Uh, hey, mister, everyone here looks unremarkable. Are you guys waiting for a random boat? <laughs> they knew that Red had been lying up over McGurk's saloon on West 3rd Street long enough to grow a disguising beard, and as he had been in prison for three years previous to that, during which period none of the gang had seen him, they were prepared for some change in his appearance. Like he comes back with a nose job, and you're not sure whether to pretend not to notice or not? Alan, I told you I had a deviated septum, and I don't like to talk about it very much, thank you. But although they kept their professionally keen eyes on the gangplank... He was almost abreast of them, and had sent the fleetest of winks in their direction before they recognized him, for he was most effectu- <laughs> he was most effectually disguised. But what about the butt implants, Rob? <laughs> now that I'll talk about all night. That's our, that's our other podcast, the Bigger Romps <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, starring uh, our favorite podcast host, Alex the Bigger Romps. <laughs> Alex DeBiggerumps, nobody nobody talks about Rumps better than him. He carried a baby girl who held him tightly around the neck. To his right hand clung a second child, an exact duplicate of the first. What? Uh, you know, twins aren't duplicates. You don't, like, keep another one around for spare parts. Wait, maybe this is a multiplicity situation, so this is a copy of the copy, and that one's the really dumb one. And a frail, quiet-looking woman, in faded mourning, walked beside him. If Mike and Larry had beheld their pal calmly disembarking, accompanied by a baby elephant and six blue monkeys... He's generous, so generous. Haven't watched Aladdin with your kids in a while? (laughs) Okay, there we go. He's got the monkeys. He's got the monkeys. (laughs) Oh... They could not have been more flabbergasted. For once in their lives, they forgot to look furtively around for possible and friendly minions of the law. Openly staring, they followed Red and his amazing entourage to the streetcar, which would take them out to Ocean View, a sort of cheap Coney Island, where the gang had its headquarters over the saloon of McGurk, brother to their metropolitan ally. Squiggle vision. <laughs> It now race to feel the wind in my face. Obeying Red Jumbo's one backward glance, they sank into rear seats while he settled the woman and the children in the forward end of the car. Only when he had done so did he glance around, ostentatiously discover them, and wave them a greeting. Here's two of my friends now, he told the woman, rising. I'll tell them you're coming out. So you's better get this party started, see? You are very kind, Mr. Gleason, she replied, to take all this tra- Oh, here, Beulah. No, no, you, you must not bother our friend. One of the children had slid from her seat and taken a tight hold of Jumbo's hand. Beulah go with you, she stated firmly. Uh, no, Beulah do not go with. You're gonna <laughs> have to hold it. One of Red Jumbo's famous scowls began to etch itself on his face. But before it could gather a definitive outline, something inside of him suddenly let out a chuckle. 
Ah, never mind, he said to the mother, and walked down the aisle with the little girl. Hello, he greeted his gaping pals. Meet my friend, Miss Beulah Lawton. Shake hands, Beulah, with Mr. Donovan and Mr. Carter. Hey, Mr. Carter. Us addressed with their own proper names, which were such conversational rarities that for a second they failed to identify themselves, both looked helplessly from their dainty little child to the grinning Jumbo, towering over them to his full six feet two. They nodded, and he sat down facing them. What the... Smoke Mike began, and paused, bereft of speech. Larry the Dip, whose correct speech and thin-lipped, narrow face told of a different birth from the other two, put out his small white hand to the baby, who surveyed it thoughtfully, shook hands, and smiled. Then she hoisted herself into Jumbo's arms, where she snuggled comfortably. This ain't no glad hand I'm getting, seems to me, Red remarked and laughed. <laughs> I don't get what that means. But... <laughs> if you're oh. laughing, I didn't want to feel left out. <laughs> oh, spill it, spill it, urged Smoke Mike, jogging an exasperated foot. What nails all this anyway, Red? What you doing with squites and brats? Oh, you you grill up a brat and smother it in squirt relish. Well, that's tasty. <laughs> squirt relish. Squirt relish. It's a bad, bad porky's ripoff. Squirt relish. It's all right, Smokey. I ain't as nutty as I look. Here's the dope, straight. The dick on the boat almost got wise to me last night. I stalled him by playing up them. They... He looked down at the child's curls and choked over the, the absurd statement. They kind of took to me. Uh, they were uh, naturally drawn to my understated charisma. Yeah, and you can laugh, but the bonehead you are. But that fixed him. He knows, same as all the bulls, that I never run with dolls. So he played me for some hick and went to bed. And all old Squeeze was on hand this morning. Hey, come on, man. There are kids around. <laughs> oh, squeeze. He might have nipped me, maybe, but not the way I was, see? The two who listened grave nodded gravely. Old Squeeze, otherwise the head of the Norfolk Plains Clothes Plain Clothesman, is a terror to the underworld. <laughs> the, the underworld of Norfolk. Yeah. It's bad it's a bad place filled with bad people. <laughs> but but what you bringing him along for? Smoke demanded. Red glanced cautiously at the child, who had begun to doze. I'll tell you, he said impressively, and you won't have no comeback. And them old ra- and them cold rags she's got on? All three looked toward the woman in the black, plain black, the cold rags of red speech. There's five thousand papers, yeah? She's going to put them into a chicken farm somewheres around here. Uh, you know, it's going to be the best one over in Texas. Used to, used to live down this way. Chickens, huh? I told her I was going to visit her friends, and she stopped with them till she got settled. And there ain't no one in this world knows much about her or will look for her. See? It's easy. Oh, is it? Smoke objected. What you gonna do? I thought you was Nick's under rough stuff. Ah, who's talking about it? I don't know. I'm lost. <laughs> who's talking about what? Third base. Lost in a sea of jive. We have only today left for the job, Red, Larry remarked in his smooth, cultured voice. We shall have to clear tonight, all but Maggie. We framed her to stay and give the stall. That's all right, Red Jumbo assured him. That's fixed. It's like this. Finger by finger, he began checking off the plan. When we get to the view, I'll take him to some meats. Oh, that's my ABC daytime right there. The view and the chew. <laughs> I kept him away from it on the boat on purpose. You and Smoke let the bunch know. Chase Tim and Doc and Spuds. Foist. No, don't bring Spuds McKenzie into this. He's a murderous killer. <laughs> that's why he's not doing the commercials anymore. <laughs> Plus, he's been dead for 17 years. No, no, he's just blacklisted. <laughs> then smooth the shack. I told him, for, 
I told him my friends were kind of rough, so she ain't looking for some kid glove outfit. But the place has to look right, understand? Tell Maggie I said so. And she's Mrs. Mason, remember? All of you, take your own moniker, see? Put the pictures and the bones and all that away, and wise up McGurk, and cut out the juice, understand? No. No, I... <laughs> I don't understand, you know, and I didn't think I'd ever say these words, but can we get Larry the Dip to translate? <laughs> and tell Maggie to get the ice off her. Silent, his friends followed his enumerating fingers and nodded their comprehension, but looked their doubt. Yeah, I know. Let's just all pretend we had to go pee at this point in the movie, and we'll just never know what happened in this part. <laughs> Red answered as though they had spoken. Well, we don't pull on the job till about tree. Then swell hops never get going till after midnight. Yeah, that's when them's all let it hangs out. <laughs> Tree'll be right. They'll be dancing beating then. You got the layout, all right? Tim got it, Larry replied. He's been flirting with the madam's maid. A handsome blighter is certainly useful in our business, Red. Yeah. Red was used to Larry's way of talking. Well, now, look it. We'll get her to bed about 11, anyway. And we'll have coffee or something for her to drink. And sleep for uh, 10 hours? Uh, okay, I'm I'm 100% lost now. Are they staying up and studying for an exam? Or are they going to bed early so they can fish at first light? <laughs> I, I think we're in a primer-type situation where time travel's going to be involved. He looked at Larry, the official knockout man of the gang, and a real expert in his line. I can sleep her for just as long or, or as short as you say, Red, he stated, with the sureness of genius in its knowledge. Uh, yeah, I'm a certified anesthesiologist uh, specializing in hospice care and complex crime. Yeah, I know. All right. How about you, Smoke? Got something? Smoke, machinist, chauffeur, safe blower, and counterfeiter. The oldest and most experienced all-around man in the gang, but not brainy enough for a leader, smiled with satisfaction. Ah, I got a bird of a car for the getaway, he said. Mm, I don't know, smoky driver just doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> the soundtrack's gonna be awful. <laughs> when I get her out of ways and fix her up, the bulls will never spot her. She's stored in a barn back of the view. It's Megan McCain's. Owners in New York. She won't be looking for a while. The thick that owns the barn don't use it. Uh, also, there's an unused yacht and a Zeppelin that no one's claimed, so I guess we just get super lucky. <laughs> Wait a minute, yacht, Zeppelin, we're, we're halfway to a Bond villain here. Or a cannonball run. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll sleep with the Scoit, and then we'll take the money. Then we'll load her in the car when we start, and the kid's with her. They'll never squeal if I'm along, they. For the briefest of moments, something clouded his reddish-brown eyes, which matched and complemented his fiery thatch. <clears throat> drapes match the carpet, I suppose. <clears throat> There's a ginger fire going on. Smoke Mike did not notice it, but Larry did. So that's all right, Jumbo went on quickly. You're going to wait for me back at the greenhouse? Yeah, I won't be long. That safe, one of the kind I'm used to. Unlocked. Those are the ones I'm best at. <laughs> Long toward morning, we'll spill her and the kids out, and then when she wakes up, she won't know how she got there. Maggie will be gone by then from the shack, and the bulls will be up a tree. Besides, it'll take her a while to get back. It'll have to be near a house, though. They gotta have something to eat. You know, a waffle house would be perfect. <laughs> they are in Norfolk. They're going to find one. He frowned and looked uneasily at the sleeping child. I don't like this gag, Red, Smoke said, following the glance. I'm leery of it. And I'm also wary of it, but not weary of it, because that's not the right word to use in that situation. At Denise, <laughs> hashtag grammar tips. <laughs> oh, Denise. Red Jumbo threw up his head and narrowed his eyes. We'll go true with it the way I say, he returned. The finality of his tone and the domineering look he bent on his two companions explained why he had kept the leadership of the gang through his absence from them. 
That 5000 will keep us for a month. One month? They should really start a budget and cut back on expenses. Maybe give up cable? <laughs> I mean, a lot more people are cutting the court these days. <laughs> we won't have to give up to old Isaac Stein till the papers stop yelling. And that's when the bulls will stop hunting much. And we'll get more than double if we wait. I think, um... I think with that bit of slang, Alan, uh, let's take a quick break while I uh, have some, some hooch to drink. Hooch. One. Yes, sir. One coming up. <laughs> Alan, been thinking about asking our listeners, popping them the big question. Okay. It's it's not an easy one. I think now is the time for us to both get on our knees and look deep, deep into our listeners' ears and what and ask them sincerely and with conviction, will you rate and review us on iTunes? Okay, we're on our knees. Where are their ears? <laughs> They're gonna have to bend down too. Everyone get on your knees. Okay, wait a minute. I don't think we want to ask our <laughs> listeners to do that. You know what I think we do want to ask them to do? What? Is to please go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. If you like what we do, help us out. It's free for you. It's a great thing for us. Rob, can you say anything else without making inappropriate requests from our audience? You can rate and review us on any of the other services too. Google Play, they're awesome. Whether you do it on your knees or not, I leave it up to you. That's your business. Thank you, folks. We appreciate it. Smoke and Larry nodded thoughtfully. The funds of the gang were far lower than they should have been in view of the big job they had on hand, the looting of a famous country house near Norfolk, where a ball was to be held that night. Oh, the prestigious Norfolk Ball. Why, the dance floor will be positively filled with semen. <laughs> if they were forced to dispose of the booty to the fence, who was usually allied with them, but who squeezed them of every possible scent, while the hue and cry was still in full force, they would be robbed as usual. Well, they say crime doesn't pay, but it's clearly creating jobs through trickle-down economics. <laughs> but if they could scatter each with enough money to live on for a month or so. Yes, Red was right. It was worth added trouble and risk, that $5,000. As they thought of it, their faces brightened. This was what it was to have the right kind of a leader. During Red's absence, their pickings had been very meager. All right, this is a stick-up. I want you to put all your nickels in this bag, and I guess while I'm here, I'll need you to shine my shoes too. Red Jumbo, used to watching faces, knew what their decision was before they gave him the curt nods which settled it. They're holding up shoe, sign, shoe shine stance, Rob. <laughs> it's not a profitable right. venture. <laughs> I see. Okay, all right. Now maybe it all makes sense. Without another word, he rose, carrying the sleeping child, and went forward to the woman who welcomed him with a very pleasant smile. Blonde Maggie won the admiration of both men by her instant comprehension of what was wanted. Leave it to me, she commanded, before they were half through. Oh, okay, leave what to her? I'm so confused. Dostoevsky could only have dreamed about writing a novel about the criminal cast as dense and confusing as this. I feel like we're halfway through a Thomas Pinchon novel, and we just... <laughs> Started in random page. Well, how would you know? <laughs> I tried. I tried one. We only got a no, few I was minutes. Saying, well, how would you know whether you started on a random page or not? Oh, that's, that's fair. That's fair. We only got a few minutes. And thereafter, she drove them with an energy which left them breathless. They finished just as Red came along the boardwalk. Maggie and Larry hastily checked over each detail while Smoke watched from a window to signal a nearer approach of the visitors. Cards and dice, paperback novels, pictures from the police gazette tacked on the walls, dirt from the corners, glasses and many bottles from the sideboards, Maggie's red silk waist from her back, all, all were gone. Oh, okay, so it's some kind of illegal garage sale. I, I think I understand now. Maggie, denuded of some of her yellow hair and most of her paint, 
and with all the ice stripped from her fingers and ears, looked so different that Larry had stopped several times to look at her with astonishment. "'Remember now, Smoke,' she said impressively, "'I'm Mrs. Mason, and you're my brother, Mike Donovan. You work on the roller coasters in the season, and I run a peanut stand.' Oh, we live the carefree and morally ambiguous lives of Connie's. You, Larry, what are you? A smile, sophisticated, sad, and grim, fitted over Larry's mobile lips. I am just what I was when you knew me first, he replied. A young fellow from one of the FFVs who had taken to coke and inferior society. You know, it's been a while since Final Fantasy V, but I don't remember Coke. Oh my god, the elemental crystals. I get it now. Elemental crystals are a hell of a drug, Helen. Maggie was not sensitive as a rule, but some color which had not come in a box stained her cheek at Larry's remark. Oh, you didn't like the blush in this month's birch box? I saw it on Goop. I thought you'd love it. He noticed it. But before he could utter the punctilious, punk, punctu- <laughs> punctilious. punctilious apology which his early training brought to his lips, Red, the woman and the children, were in the room. Larry and Maggie together saved the first half hour for being one of extreme constraint. For Smoke, afraid of saying something out of character, contented himself with mumbling. And Jumbo, into whose lap both the children had promptly crawled, was acutely and most uncomfortably self-conscious, despite the fact that the situation was of his own bringing about. Get it off, get it off, it's (laughs) gumming me. (laughs) What he had not counted on was the effect it had upon himself, nor the queer atmosphere it had brought upon the rooms, which usually echoed to profanity and smelled of tobacco and whiskey. And now it echoed... Paw Patrol and smelled of Zoom Zoom lip smackers. (laughs) He kept remembering Zoom Zoom Zoom? Zoom Zooms. They're little... I'm aware. Horrifying. They're like if they took Disney characters and made them into some kind of squat grub. I, uh... My my son has a Jar Jar Zoom Zoom. He does? And... It literally looks like a squat grub. They all look like grubs. It's so weird. He kept remembering the last time he had been there, just before he was nabbed. There had been a fight that night. And now, here were all sorts of things, changed by a woman and two babies. There was Maggie, without the inevitable cigarette, without the flash of diamonds, Maggie in a white waist and an oddly subdued manner. There was Larry, talking the way Larry could, but seldom did. There was Smoke, silent with clean hands. There was McGurk, sneaking up the back stairs to look at the new arrival, and remaining to stare open-mouthed at Jumbo, until a scowl sent him scurrying below, but not without the upward-flung echo of a laugh. And most of all, there was the amazing, the disconcerting, the incredible sensation of two warm little bodies snuggled against him, and the fragrance of their dainty little selves in his nostrils. Hey, it smells funny in here. <laughs> kind of like somebody didn't knock over a bottle of old Harper's. It got on toward noon. Usually, McGurk set up a lunch from the saloon below to as many of the gang as might be on hand. What, what should be done under these circumstances? I mean, I'd use Grubhub, but the drivers are always pissed I tip on the credit card. <laughs> it's very true. Red Jumbo, gradually getting over his state, or rather, getting used to it, raised his eyebrows at Maggie. But it was the mother of the twins who answered the question, which they were all asking themselves. I've been smelling your dinner for some time, Mrs. Mason, she said, and I know you want to go look after it. You'll help me for a moment, won't you? For a moment. Maggie looked uncomfortably at Red. Um... That's a wet dish towel I left on the radiator, but sure, I could eat. The meal was cooking in the kitchen of the saloon. Then her woman's inventiveness came to her aid. Why, the truth is, that ain't my dinner, she acknowledged. 
I've been over to see my sisters in Norfolk all week, and I just got home right before you and and Mr. Gleason arrived. I ain't got a thing in the house, I'm sorry to say, but I thought, soon as you was feeling at home, I'd go out and... Little Mrs. Lawton, with a gay smile and a childlike clap of her hands, interrupted her. Let me, let me, she cried. I can do wonders with baking soda and stale Italian-style breadcrumbs. I've been living in a boarding house for two years, ever since my husband died, and I'm just homesick for a cook stove. I want to buy everything and cook it. Don't say I can't. They couldn't do anything with her. She swept everything before her with enthusiasm, with good comradeship. She found a basket, big and strong in which McGurk usually sent up bottles. Hey, hey, that's my bottle basket. It's for bottles, okay? <laughs> she insisted that Maggie tell her what was lacking in the larder. Primarily foodstuffs? <laughs> Guessing. She tied a towel around Smoke's waist and set him to peeling potatoes against her return. In the Navy. Smoke does more before 7 a.m. than most people do all day. What's the army? Oh, damn. And before they knew how she had done it, she had carried off Jumbo, bearing the basket and a sheepish expression on shopping intent. I like that. It's the army. The Navy gets to sleep in. (laughs) They get to sleep in. They get to go swimming. The Navy gets everything, damn it. I don't know what's all struck red, Smoke complained as he went at his task. This Scoit's acting like she owned him. I hope she got the wad Red said she has. Maggie did not answer. She was laying the table with linen and silver, hastily requisitioned from McGurk, remembering some old forms which had not occurred to her for many a day. Okay, let's see. Salad knife, meat knife, fish knife, murder knife, soup spoon. Larry went down to the corner, where there was a cheap florist, and brought back a big bunch of the small yellow roses, which are Virginia's most distinctive flower. Maggie sniffed the spicy odor thoughtfully. We used to have a big bush of these, she said to nobody in particular. Larry turned quickly and looked out the window. He did not want his face to be seen just then. There had been a long row of those big bushes, before a big pillared house, where his memory sometimes strayed. Monticello? (laughs) I think back to that fourth grade trip. (laughs) Beulah and Lulu, confided to Maggie's care by their mother, trotted after the girl, asking questions, getting in her way, and sometimes imperiously demanding to be kissed. Whose kids are these? all, (laughs) All I'd ask for is candy and Katy Perry songs. Once, without their asking, Maggie stooped and gathered them fiercely into her arms. But they were not frightened. They hugged back with their strong little arms and kissed her tenderly when they saw tears in her eyes. Mrs. Lawton brought back a basket filled to the brim and a strangely silent man. But she herself bubbled over with good spirits. She praised Smoke's pile of potatoes. Oh, wow, look at all the... Brown ones you did. Great job. (laughs) She put the chickens she had brought on to roast. She set Larry to shelling peas. She asked Maggie for her favorite recipe. Uh, it's, it's Kraft mac and cheese with leftover taco meat and Fritos. I call it Nacho Mom's mac and cheese. She declared nothing in the world had ever looked as good to her as those Virginia roses, and that the culinary operations might be unhampered. She put the twins into Jumbo's capacious arms for safekeeping. Somewhere, Maggie had unearthed two aprons somehow. Oh, how cute. They say, kiss the crook. I don't really get that, but they're very festive. (laughs) Straightening the window shades and setting chairs and bureaus to rights, Maggie had contrived to give the place such a domestic look that Red felt himself actually abashed before it. He and Larry and Smoke sat together, smelling home-like odors and listening to the bits of conversation which drifted out of the kitchen. How Beulah had had the measles last year, and did Maggie think the largest chicken was browning too fast? 
and were there dry goods stores in Norfolk now? And where was the potato masher? Oh, yeah, Red. Remember how we brained that guy with the potato masher and then threw it in the harbor? Well, I guess the potatoes are going to be kind of (laughs) lumpy. Casual, unimportant woman talk. All that, but very, very strange to the ears of two of the men who listened. To Larry, it was not strange, but it was dreadful. To Smoke, it was queer, but unmeaning. To Jumbo who had never heard its like before. It was a part of the confusion, which was slowly taking its grip upon his soul. Jumbo uncertain how to reconcile domestic yearnings with violent nature. Jumbo merely pawn in crime life. The dinner was an unqualified success, even to smoke, who surveyed the glass of water besides his plate with extreme distaste. I know, right? At least give me a LaCroix Pamplemousse or something. (laughs) Some light aperitif. But before he could say anything, the twins, solemnly folding their fat hands, bowed their heads and murmured, For yes, meal, God make us truly thankful. Amen. And now, before we eat, a reading from a letter from Paul to the Corinthians... (laughs) Dear Corinthians, this is Paul. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Six years of CCD, everybody. (laughs) Maggie and Larry and Red, who had hastily ducked their heads in accord with Mrs. Lawton's, were crimson at the conclusion of the little ceremony, especially as they met the sardonic grin of smoke, who had chosen to fill in time by eating the coleslaw at his plate. They lingered over the meal, strangely loath to break up the association of the table. Uh... Well, that and nobody's really reaching for the check. And I didn't eat the peas, and I'm not paying for everybody else's peas. <laughs> it was fairly quiet. The season had not really opened yet, and most of the attractions at the beach were still closed. Oh, I wanted to win a Def Leppard Coke mirror. <laughs> <laughs> the late afternoon sun came slithering in while they still sat on. Beulah and Lulu, despite their mother's remonstrance, had returned to Jumbo's lap. I haven't felt so happy since poor Tom was taken from me, Mrs. Lawton said. She pushed back her chair, humming a tune. She broke off a rose and pushed it through her heavy dark hair. There was a beautiful faint color in her cheeks, and her eyes were sweet and deep. She had probably never been beautiful but she was something more compelling than that. She shone with a sort of glory. I don't know if she's becoming a saint or she's about to level up. (laughs) She maybe evolve into her next next form. (laughs) To secondary mutation. Uh, Pikachu-dana. What's a a good Pokemon that they evolve into? A s- super Squirtle? A Super Squirtle? Yeah. <laughs> Red Jumbo looked at her so steadily that she blushed a little. Then, swiftly, she turned around to the piano and broke out into a clear, haunting contralto. She sang Absent and Juanita and Old Black Joe, the harbor bar, and rocked in the cradle of the deep. Every time that she stopped and swung around, they begged her to go on. To Sweet Caroline. This is the (laughs) fifth time I've played Sweet Caroline. Play it again. (laughs) They leaned forward in their chairs as twilight settled on them and gave themselves up to her. And she took their hearts with her, far, far from anything they had ever known. Then, when it was too dark to see, she began something, and the two children stirring piped up with her. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Smoke snorted and tramped downstairs. Oh, I had thought it was at an Amy Grant 2000s concert, and instead I'm at an Amy Grant 1990s concert. <laughs> <laughs> but Maggie and Larry and Jumbo, shadows in their chairs, did not move. And Mrs. Lawton, when that song was done, began nearer my God to thee. 
She got up after she finished that. I reckon that will be a good night for the babies, she remarked casually. And you folks must be tired of listening to me. Uh, well, we actually brained a guy with our gong, so, you know, take the hint. She moved toward the door, but Beulah and Lulu objected. They wanted to be kissed goodnight. They wanted to hug Jumbo. They wanted Miss Olawi to go as far as the hall. They wanted Aunt Maggie to promise to tuck them in. I'm afraid my little girls are too willful, the mother said over her shoulder as she finally led them away. I've spoiled them, maybe. Yeah, too many psalms will do that. Then they could hear her singing in Maggie's room as she undressed the babies. After a while, Maggie lit the gas. Smoke came up the stairs, treading lightly. Just been out to look around, he whispered. Doc and Tim come in. Say, ain't this quite the limit? No one replied. He looked from one face to the other, puzzled. Say, what's eating yous? You look like a bunch of rummies. Still, no one spoke. Then Jumbo lifted his head and licked his dry lips several times, swallowed and stood up. You, you keep your tongue off in her, he said huskily. Oh, whoa, we ain't even had coffee yet. Ah, huh, is that so? Smoke sneered. What you do? Fall for the squite? Jumbo's blazing eyes menaced him. Shut up, he ordered with a warning glance toward the bedroom. You shut up. Workplace crushes are very common. <laughs> Mrs. Lawton was still singing a little. Smoke's mean little eyes narrowed. Say, he drawled, what's the gag? Jumbo opened and shut his big hands. I started this, and I'm going to see through it with, my, with it my way. See? I, she, I don't know how it's going to look, but I ain't going to have to any. I ain't going to take her wad, and that goes. See? And I suppose the rest is in on this? Smoke demanded. Jumbo looked at the other two. Larry nodded, his lips set in a thin, hard line. Maggie whimpered. I ain't had a kid around for years, she said. Hey, you want a kid? I'll buy a kid. No questions asked. Get him cheap, too. Jumbo brought his eyes back to smoke. Yeah, he said, and in his excitement forgot to keep his voice lowered. And what's more, I ain't going through it tonight, either. I'm... I ain't going to. That's all. There was a slight, a very slight movement of smoke's right hand, and something shining lay in it. Oh, maybe a gun or a golden snitch? I taught you was fallen for the scoit, he growled. I seen you, yeah. You make me sick. You better change your mind, quick, or you're gonna have none left to change, for I'll drill your bean. You can't put this over. Do you think the rest of us in the gang are gonna lose out just for the scoit and the brats? Take it from me. You'll go true with it. I'll drill you. And you needn't be looking like I got the drop on you and and I have the drop on you, Smoke, said a very quiet voice from the doorway. Move your hand an inch and I'll shoot it off. Like automatons, they wheeled. Their jaws simultaneously fell open. Mrs. Lawton was in the room with a large business-like revolver and what each of them saw was a practiced hand. Boy, the, the squirt's got a gap. What a turn of events. <laughs> what the... Smoke began and lowered his weapon. He was an indifferent shot. Only the fact that he was sure Red Jumbo was unarmed had allowed him to call the turn on him. But he knew that this woman could and would do what she said. Though how and why... Put it on the floor... She ordered. Now put him on the glass. <laughs> he did it. She motioned that he should stand back by the stairs. Then she looked at the others. They used to call me Chicago Bessie, she announced simply. A murmur, an indrawn breath answered her. Chicago Bessie. Oh my God, she 
Chicago Bessie. Chicago Bessie. What? Chicago, Chicago Bessie. Bessie. I've never heard of her, but only really hard criminals have big cities in their nicknames. <laughs> the slickest confidence woman in the business. One of the cleverest, coolest female crooks known to the underworld. Jumbo took a stiff step nearer her to her. So, you were stalling, he said. You, he laughed. Huh, I taught something different. No, I wasn't stalling. Her reply was to him alone. I got into bad ways when I married Tom. We did a lot of binge watching and stopped dressing up for each other. It's not a good way to keep the spark alive. I guess you people didn't know him. He would have been a good man if he hadn't been so weak when I was young. But I was raised right, Jumbo, just as I told you on a farm near here. I never got set up until two years before Tom died. The babies were only three months old. It nearly killed me. And when I got out last year, he was dead. And they had been boarding with a good woman. Boarding? <laughs> They're not away at summer camp for two years. They had a fucking foster mom. <laughs> oh, no. They were just sleeping over. No yeah. big deal. It's just that she was an old British lady who helps with their laundry while they work during the day and, you know, bored in her attic at night. It was a drive-by fruiting. The first night I was home, they knelt down and said their prayers at my knees. And I changed, that's all. Her eyes were filling, and a sob, which she could not control, broke in her throat. What you, what you come here with me for? I knew who you were. You? He fell back a step, and his face darkened. If you were working with the bulls, he began. Well, they're in a rebuilding year, so good luck. <laughs> the salary cap's killing them. I knowed it. I knowed it, Smoke croaked and moved only to stop midway of his crouch for his weapon. I've still got the drop on you, Smoke, Chicago Bessie told him. And I don't have to see to shoot straight. She fumbled with her left hand for a handkerchief and wiped away her tears. For God's sake, tell me the truth, Jumbo implored. I gotta know. I knew you on the boat, she said. You were pointed out to me once. And I knew about the gang, too. And I took a chance. I, I told you I had changed. I've tried to get hold of people that had gone wrong. I've tried to do a little good. I left my money with the purser. And I came out here with you hoping I could do or say something. Or that God would let my little girls soften your hearts. I lifted it from the plot of matchstick men, but, you know, threw a religious angle in there. It seemed that she could not go on. And then she dropped to her knees. Oh, my dear Lord, she prayed. I don't know what to say to these poor people, but you know what I want. I want them for you. That's why I came. I, help me. Tell me what to say. Cursing, Smoke turned and tramped loudly down the stairs, slamming the street door after him. Larry and Maggie, who were crying, knelt down. Chicago Bessie looked up at Jumbo. And you? She asked. The end. <laughs> You're sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. Otherwise, I'm going to keep reading the story Going West by Hugh Pendexter. Ooh. You know what? <laughs> <clears throat> wow. That was, a, that was a real switcheroo there. Yeah. I think the switcheroo is how you thought that they actually had to plot out a crime and <laughs> instead it... <laughs> They really didn't have to bother at all. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, what was the crime exactly? Okay. Well, um, they um, they were tidying uh -huh. up their house. Uh huh. Yep. They and did that. They um, they were hanging out above mm -hmm. the bar, and there there was singing. There was singing. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, there was five thousand dollars. Uh, who had that what 
Who had the five thousand um, dollars? The lady that um, Chicago Bessie, <laughs> but not Maggie. No, who's Maggie? That's what I want to know. When does Maggie show up, and who is she? She's a girl who? of the streets, Rob. Uh, is that uh, what it's called? A girl of the, a lady of the streets. Hold on, hold on. I'm just gonna get this. Yeah, a girl of the streets. Okay. Yeah, yeah, girl of the streets. Sure, a little matchstick girl. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, it's a <laughs> Thomas Crane book. Oh, I'm sorry. Maggie, a girl of the streets. It uh, <laughs> it brought a lot of uh, attention to the the plight of the prostitution. I think. Well, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't a prostitution. Uh, oh no, that was Tess of the Durbervilles. <laughs> don't wait. <laughs> okay. Big time prostitute. Chicago Bessie. All right. So, all right. So there are two crimes. This is what I've. Oh, okay, out. no, we don't. <laughs> I'm still going back to this. So they were gonna. Our audience gonna knows what the crime is. Yeah, they do. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm we, we spent 30 minutes on it, so. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll let them have their victory. They can explain it to me later. What do you uh what do you think the moral of the story is? Um nineteen eighteen jazz lingo is extraordinarily hard to comprehend. Mm-hmm. And um I think the moral's pretty clear that uh crime doesn't pay and you've gotta you gotta give it up to Jesus, man. You gotta you gotta, you know, get down on your knees and sing some songs and steal some random children and and live a happy life that's that's the moral of the story I, but crime could have paid you just you have to commit the crime first <laughs> technically it did pay she still has five thousand dollars at the with the purser oh, so yeah, yeah that's that'll, that'll buy a lot of potato mashers <laughs> if Jumbo plays his cards right he could totally you know pray a little bit, get to know her, live with her for a few years, have another kid, steal the five grand, and then he'd be great. So I still think the crime could pay. I think the moral of the story is, you know, whatever con you're running, you just, you have to cut in a couple little cute kids in on it. Just totally sells the whole thing. As long as they don't whiz. But I agree. Couple, couple cute kids, duplicates of each other. That'll that'll get it. That'll get you through anything. All right. Well, what do you say we ship this story off to Norfolk? Well, that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Tune in next time, everyone, for another exciting interrupted. Well, there's Bristol Shoshana. There's oh. Flint Cardi B. There's Albuquerque Roseanne. <laughs> Shreesport Blue Ivy. Hey. 